All right, guys, welcome into the latest episode of the Starting Eleven podcast. My name is Emilio Pena, and I've got Grant Rowan here with me today. Same as always, it seems like, except not this time. We're on international break, so no excitement like the normal, but yeah. um, I mean, nonetheless, still exciting. It's football, it's soccer, so it's always going to be exciting. Our last episode, we kind of went off uh, pretty sh- pretty quick. We were talking about the 2023 or 2030, excuse me, World Cup. First time saying that, you know, been stuck in this 2020 for so long. Feels like feels like we're ready for 2030, but the 2030 World Cup host nations, it's uh, Spain, Morocco, and Portugal, kind of that Iberian Peninsula is going to, you know, be the hub for soccer and eight years or so, nine years. And then uh, it's kind of strange because the first three games are in South America, Uruguay, Paraguay, and Argentina. It's kind of uh, supposed to honor the 100-year anniversary of the World Cup, which I can I can get behind. But the manner in which they're doing it is really strange, just having like the celebration and the ceremony and just the opening games there, like the first three games. It feels kind of strange. Before I go on about what I how I feel about the matter, I wanted to ask you, Grant, if you wanted to expand upon your initial thoughts we kind of gave them last week. Uh, yeah. Uh, if, when you said like the first three games or whatever is going to be in South America and then the rest are going to be over in like the Iberian Peninsula area, uh, depending on, I guess, your group or whatever. It depends on where you play. But it uh, seems like kind of crazy to me just have the entire World Cup be played in South America for the 100 year anniversary if it's that important. Because to me being like, oh, yeah, you get three games, but not the entire World Cup means like we like kind of think it's important, but like not enough to like actually just give you like let those nations be like the host nations or whatever. But yeah, and then just like, I don't know if I'm playing in South America and one of those first three games and I have to travel to Portugal or wherever to play the rest. I'm not super happy because those group stage games go pretty quick and any advantage or disadvantage you can get uh, in a tournament like that. I mean, it comes around once every four years, just like the slightest things that the jet lag or whatever the travel is going to be really daunting on the players and the coaches and stuff so i'm not a huge fan of it i think it's kind of ridiculous i think just have the entire thing in south america it's like the home of football like just give it the entire tournament and whatever but fifa's gonna fifa and they want their money so yeah and an angle that i feel like it's not being talked about too much is like all three of these Southern American nations are going to automatically qualify. And, um, you know, there's not a whole lot of spots available for the combo yeah. teams. And like, for instance, like I'm half Peruvian. So obviously, you know, being American, I'm going to support the American team, but I also love to see the motherland Peru do well too. And, you know, they missed the world cup. They were eliminated in 2018. People, teams like Paraguay and Uruguay and Argentina, surely Argentina was going to qualify no matter what, just because of the caliber of players they have. But for a team like Peru, like you're looking at Paraguay and you're like, what do they get to do? Like, why are they in there? I mean, I understand it's all close proximity yeah. and everything, but you know, if you want to play devil's advocate, like it's a little unfair in that sense, you know, because neither of the two teams are, you know, powerhouses by any stretch of the imagination, but one of them is getting a automatic berth and more questions come up. It's like, which teams go to South America to play first, which teams are just going to stay in Europe slash Africa. And just that sentence alone causes even more issues, like three different continents, like visas for certain players or for fans, you know, it's going to, it's definitely going to limit the potential granted. uh, It's mainly going to be people who have, you know, hundreds or, or, you know, tens of thousands of dollars to blow on the world cup. So, you know, they're going to, they're going to go 
no matter what. I don't know how they get that funding, but they're going to go no matter what. One of the other angles too, we we kind of talked about off air, I guess, off camera was um, it feels like FIFA is just trying to skip the, you know, skip the line for the Asian nation, Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. You know, they're going all in for the 2030s and it seems like, you know, they got the WWE over there. They're building that line thing. And now this, as well as, you know, the Ronaldo, the Neymar, the Benzema's coming over. It's just, uh, it's either really good timing or some shady business going on. And, you know, I don't want to cast any assertions, but there has been some shady business going on over there in the past. Uh, I'll just leave it at that. But it definitely feels a little dirty, I guess, for lack of a better way of putting it. Just the way that they're, you know, getting Africa, getting Europe and getting South America out of the way. Kind of like they did with uh, Russia, like technically being European nation in 2018. It feels like just no matter what, where the money is, that's where they're going to go. Yeah, I mean, and that's FIFA's thing, whatever lines their pockets. But yeah, I think to your first point with the automatic qualification, I completely forgot about that. But I think the U.S. expands to 48, not to make excuses or anything, but still, like you said, that's like automatically qualifying three spots in South America when... Like there's only going to be, I think, a single if it's three games in three countries, that means a single game per like that right. doesn't seem like qual like automatic qualification worthy. And I'm pretty sure I don't know, I could be wrong, but like the first World Cup like was in Uruguay. I don't think it was like shared, so exactly. not really sure why. Even being like I love Argentina, but like that seems kind of weird just to give them an automatic qualification spot. And if you're doing what three countries in Europe, it'll be Portugal. You said Morocco, Spain, and in Spain that means they all three of those nations automatically qualify they there's six nations of your 48 that yeah don't have to do anything and then to your second point i agree i do feel like it's a massive cop-out and obviously this past world cup being in qatar then it'll be in the u.s and then it'll be in like that peninsula area down morocco spain portugal uh accessible for the europeans and then they want it back in saudi arabia correct yeah, which cool. is crazy to me because I was. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just, that's what everyone's lining. It, you know, everyone's theorizing yeah, that it's not official, yeah, but it's like unofficially official. Yeah, and I feel like we haven't had, like I don't feel like we haven't had like a proper proper World Cup in Asia since I think what South Korea hosted it in twenty uh, years. Yeah, South Africa in twenty ten which that's relatively close, but still like an African nation hasn't like properly hosted it in a while. Uh, and then South Africa, where like, I don't know, that is like the heart of soccer, in my opinion. I know a lot of Europeans disagree, whatever, but that's where I believe in has been there since what Brazil outside of like mm -hmm. this little thing they're going to do. So I don't know. I just feel like it's kind of, yeah, like these massive, I hate, because, like, it should be, I'm torn between, like, it should be spread out all over traveling, but at the same time, like, like the Europeans and South Americans, like, deserve it. Like, it should be, like, Europe somewhere else, South America somewhere else, Europe, uh, just because that is, like, where the hearts of it are in the world. So, I don't know. I agree with you, though. I think it's just be filling their pockets and kind of giving a layup to Saudi Arabia. Definitely. It just seems like, you know, Oceania, like our, like uh, Australia, they just keep getting snubbed. Like, when are they ever going to host? One? I know they got the Women's World <laughs> Cup like this past year, but like, you know, maybe give New Zealand, you know, toss one of them a bone. But we know that's probably not going to happen mainly because of the differences in time and everything for players and then viewers. It's going to cause a lot of issues. And unfortunately, that's just the way it works. But, you know, on the topic of international competition, Germany and the United States had a friendly in the United States this past weekend, as both teams are hosting the uh, the more regional tournament, I guess, best way of putting it, the Euros and then the Copa America taking place and, um, you know, both domestic 
team's homeland. It was definitely an exciting game from two different point of views. For the United States, it's like this is the first major game with Greg Berhalter back as the coach. Going to see how that situation with Gio Reyna turned out. And then for Germany, they had just hired Julian Nagelsmann. And this is his, uh, I want to say this is his coaching debut. Correct me if I'm wrong. I I, I'm not sure if he was behind the helm. Hansi Flick got fired after the Japan game, but I mean, mm-hmm. they've been tearing everyone up. That's a whole other yeah, story. A... <laughs> but the result was Germany 3-1, Christian Pulisic banger in the first half to put him up 1-0. And then it seems like Germany kind of took over from there. I kind of wanted to ask you, from the American point of view, what does uh, Burhalter need to do to you know get these boys ready for the World Cup? And I guess more recently, or more closer up, the Copa America is coming up too. So we definitely have to compete in both. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we look 3-1 probably isn't like a fair scoreline if you were just to like look at like the stats and how they played and had people guess at what the score would be at the end. Like not a lot of people, I think, would guess 3-1 because we played so well. First half, we looked pretty different dominant like we were the better team uh, I really like what Pulisic said after the game he was like yeah it's a friendly but uh, we're at that point I feel like we're at this level now where even against the Germanys if we take that lead like uh, we have to start closing those games out if we want to take the next step to be like a genuine like I almost said threat to the world but that's not the greatest but you know what I mean a force in the international soccer world uh, we have to close those games out, which I agree. And it was, it was a good German lineup. It was a good American lineup. So you kind of got to see how we compared with uh, a better nation. Granted, they're not going through the greatest, I don't know, form, run a form right now. with um, A ton of talent, but still, uh, it's a nation that's won four World Cups. Yeah, I just... Again, this is one of those games where you just see, like, tactically, Greg Berhalter get outshined. And I'm glad you brought up Japan uh, because I was seeing a bunch of U.S. fans after the game compare Japan's hire and how he's changed this Japanese team to be. I mean, they're one of the most exciting teams in the world. Like, they're absolutely decimating teams. doesn't matter who they are. I think they've scored more than four goals in their last six games. And it's not against scrubs. Like, Germany was one of them. Uh, But just, like, kind of going through their accolades and it was like... I don't know, he was a multi-time Japanese league champion, multi-time this, 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 has a bunch of trophies. And Greg Ber- Greg Berhalter in his couple years, like seven years, I think, in the MLS with the crew, there's like not very many accolades there. And it's like, you got hired because your brother is somewhere high up in U.S. soccer. And like, I hate to like trash on Greg Berhalter because that's like what every, actually it's pretty torn right now, but you just can see tactically if you like know what you're looking for. Like this guy is not, like Christian Pulisic defended him like clearly he's a good like they like him whatever but sometimes like that's just not enough when you want to compete with the best of the best and yeah I'm not super stoked and that didn't sell me very much on him and just looking at when he was we had our interim manager I forget his name but he was who was it I forget what his name was that led us in the not gold cup the nation's league final yeah. that run wants we'll to like insert his name somewhere in here but he looked really good. Like the substitutions, it's like this is what American fans have wanted. Like the play style looked like how we should be playing with the talent we had. Uh, the substitutions coming on, there was no drama between big soccer families in U.S. soccer, the Reynas versus the Berhalters. It was just like that's how that team should look and be playing. And it doesn't look like that when Greg Berhalter is coaching. In my opinion, Greg's not the guy, but I mean, we're a couple years away. It's hard to switch up. So we'll see. We'll see. But super exciting. 
very talented young baby Eagles team. So should be a good future. I uh, just looked it up and it, the interim coach was uh, BJ Callahan. BJ that Callahan. Name. That's what it is. I, I, I really like, I don't know if he would have been long-term, like he could compete with like the top of the top, but just remembering how he looked in that nation's league run and how he even had like the makeshift kind of weird MLS young kid team for gold cup, how he looked. It's like, that's a, that's the style. Like that is entertaining. That is maximizing like all our youth talent having yeah so I, that's how i kind of want u.s soccer to look greg berholder doesn't really provide that but yeah and i'm glad you kind of brought up like the exciting look that they had because you know it might not be the most appealing as far as um you know aesthetics but i was kind of thinking the united states i think if they really want to compete on that level i think you know the midfield and like the attacking players need to come back and defend a little bit more because i mean we just don't have the talent that you know germany that england that france has so we're not going to be able to like beat them at their own game by like playing it out of the back and you know trying to do all these fancy things so I think some of those midfield players need to come back and help the defense. And as Stevie Nichol put it, he said, like, defend as a unit. He kind of compared it to Wales with Gareth Bale. Like, you know, if you want to stick Pulisic up there and let him kind of, I don't want to say camp, but just, you know, scan, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, just let, like, everyone else needs to come back and help out. And then you can get them on the counterattack. It seems like, I don't want to even call us a smaller team, but it seems like we kind of need to play that way to to take advantage of some of these bigger teams. Because the only, I looked it up, the only teams in Europe that Greg Berhalter has beaten is Northern Ireland and Bosnia and Herzegovina and both were friendlies so you know we gotta add some of these bigger teams up there into the win column yeah I think you nailed it with like the play style and I think that's just the way Greg wants to play I think he I always call him like the hipster of like US soccer he wants to play like like you said like these big nations but like we just don't have the talent yet to be there like we're really close, we're like kind of on the brink, but we just like can't do it. And he kind of does, I agree, let our attacking players kind of get away. Even if it's like just a light press, like we need something because it feels very easy for teams to like set up kind of in our half and whether that's pass the ball around through our midfield. And I mean, we have some engines in the midfield, like Weston McKinney is always flying around, Tyler Adams when he's healthy. Uh, that's not the issue, but it would be nice to like at least give them problems like in that transition, which we just don't do with Greg because just hipster greg but uh while we're on the topic real quick christian pulisic absolute money uh the kid's on fire since leaving ac milan keeping track of everyone that's ever said anything negative about him while he was at chelsea but he was playing left wing back for no reason uh chelsea fans want him back uh the italians absolutely love him scored a screamer against germany uh just proving he's super talented and yeah he is he is i'll 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 go with the Wonder Kid. He was the Wonder Kid, like what, 24 now or something, but still consider him a Wonder Kid. He has that level of talent. So he's playing comfortable too. It's not like, you know, in the past, it was always like, oh, like coming back to the United States was like a breath of fresh air for him because things weren't going Mm -hmm. well in Chelsea. But he, it seems like he feels comfortable no matter where he's at right now, whether it's Milan or with the United States. So, you know, he's playing loose and uh, that's what we Mm -hmm. need out of him. Uh, just I just wanted to pivot to the other side, uh, Germany. Mm -hmm. First of all, what an outfit from Nagelsmann. The yeah. man is just always wearing some weird ass clothes, but uh, I guess maybe I he saw, was trying to go as you know <laughs> October flannel for that uh, October fall season pumpkin spice yeah. and everything. Or he really liked that Kevin James meme. <laughs> yeah, the... yeah, <laughs> whatever it was. He, it was also... the same color plaid. Now that you bring it up, 
But yeah. um, that was a that was a big win for them because you know they've been in, in a state of flux for quite a while now, basically since they mm-hmm. won the World Cup in in uh, twenty fourteen down in Brazil. What what do you say? Uh, what does uh, Nagelsmann? What else should he do to prepare them? Because they're hosting the Euros next year, and you know they're definitely expecting a big result. Is there anything else that he could be doing, or um, maybe certain players he could be utilizing more? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you really gotta. He's got to implement his style pretty quickly. I think Germany just in general has been, obviously, the past couple competitions have not performed very well. Off the top of my head, outside of like Musiala, like Wurz, I can't name a bunch of like talented youth coming in. Uh, They just kind of seem old and in this weird transition phase. But with a manager like Nagelsmann, like, like we've seen, probably not so much at his tenure at Bayern Munich, but they've had kind of their own mess uh, that's carrying over, kind of lingering still. Yeah, you just got to implement a system and like you got to be patient because I don't think it's completely on the managers right now. I think it is just like Germany going through that rough patch, like bringing in youth, kind of developing them, letting them develop at their clubs uh, to get to a level. And then this old older generation that's won everything and kind of merging them and like they're still building chemistry and stuff the youth kids getting used to being on international duty all that stuff so yeah i think it's just a weird transition year but uh he's got to hammer that system down and he's got to figure out how to just take advantage of like his players proficiencies i guess and minimize uh kind of some things they're not so great at so do you think he's the guy for the job or do you think they made a mistake uh i think he's a class manager i I mean, it's hard to tell because like Bayern Munich was not the greatest run. But like again, as, as we see right now, like it's kind of lingering and Bayern hasn't been like Bayern, Bayern since, I don't know, they beat PSG in the Champions League. Usually they run away with the league. They're kind of cruising through Champions League into the semifinals at least. And if they do get knocked out and don't go to a final, it's like they went down absolutely swinging. So yeah, I think I think he is a great great guy for the job. It's just how patient does Germany want to be with him and, and how will the players like not respect him but just like be willing to implement his play style yeah especially again, this, th- yeah go ahead that crossover from Bayern so you know I don't know what the temperature was like when he was leaving but if there were some players that weren't too hot on him then it's definitely gonna be tough for him to win them over yeah and it's uh I'm not so sure about his system, but you do get guys that are just like kind of reluctant to adapt to a new one because they fit so well in like a previous one. Like I want to say like Klopp's time early on at Liverpool, it was tough because Klopp has this really intense kind of pressing system. I don't know. That's like obviously a lot of work. It's tiring guys out and they're like, oh, like I don't believe this guy. I don't believe like the system. And I don't know. It takes a minute, kind of like in Ted Lasso. Like you really just got to just like trust the manager that it's going to work. And obviously we see Klopp now, like dudes want everything. Liverpool has been a force for, yeah, however long and, but yeah, you just just got to prove it and you just have to make the guys do it. I uh, hope it works out. So One team that Germany will not be seeing in 2024 during the Euros is Norway. Norway has failed to qualify for the Euro. And I, it just kind of begs the question, does the lack of international play affect Erling Holland's legacy? Because all we hear is uh, how great he is at the club level. But, you know, he can affect where he's born. But if you're this good of a player, surely you should be able to carry your team to some kind of international play. Like you see like Scotland qualifying. And uh, I mean, they've got some players, but it's not like they have, you know, a Erling player Holland. of the caliber of Erling Holland or Martin Odegaard. Or right Martin now. Odegaard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't know that was official, but I did see Spain beat him, a Gavi goal to seal it. 
still only 19 years old, which is wild to me. Anyway, I thought he was 18. Um, yeah, I think he just he's pretty freshly 19, I think. But damn, yeah. Back to your original question with uh, Norway. Yeah, normally if it was like just Holland there, then like maybe you get like a slight pass to go through. Especially when you're in Europe, it's like pretty hard to qualify for these tournaments. Uh, but the fact that you have Martin Odegaard there with you, there's not really any excuses. Like that's one of the best young playmakers in the world. Both incredible at club level that should be uh more than enough kind of to guide you through and it's not like norway has a team of bums it's not like it's martin odegaard and erling holland on san marino who concedes 12 goals a game every time they play it's like there are like respectable dudes kind of all all around europe all around the world playing yeah i think this and you never see erling holland like ESPN posting, tweeting, whatever, him scoring all these goals for Norway. It makes you wonder Julian Alvarez could probably be better than he That's would have in the Norway Marshall. squad. But yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty disappointing. And I don't think it's all on Erling Holland, obviously. But uh, yeah. I mean, when you're on that kind of level, when you're like i don't know top three and ballon d'or like people think it's like between you and a couple other people when you're on that level like you're gonna be scrutinized you're gonna be looked at like you better perform doesn't matter who you're playing they could be playing prime 2010 spain like early holland better get on the score sheet just because uh you're touted and thought of as that caliber of player so yeah i'd say pretty disappointing it's actually kind of ironic because i brought up scotland and i just remembered like i think it was yeah june um they played each other norway and scotland in a qualifier and uh, mm-hmm. Holland scored a penalty in the 61st minute, but then, excuse me, Scotland scored a goal 87th and 89th minute to to win the game and take the point. So, you know, that surely could have been the difference maker and, you know, the two countries qualifying because Scotland is qualified and Norway yeah. is not. And, you know, it was paper thin margins. So that was um, uh, Scott McTominay, right? No, that wasn't the McTominay oh. game, unfortunately, although he does have that he has... clutch gene. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> but yeah, because for it, it was against yeah. Spain. I think he had a brace because I remember oh, I think Rodri, yeah, Rodri right. was like complaining afterward. You're right. Man, I think I that was, uh, I think that was like in March, though, like early qualifications. But yeah, uh, the last thing I wanted to address today was the uh, Sandra Tonali and Nicolo's Zaniolo, um, yeah, situation where they got both got caught allegedly betting. They were, you know, removed from the Italian training camp earlier this week, and they were investigated by Italian authorities over accusations of gambling. You know, they're both facing like worldwide bans up to three years, which is pretty serious accusations. Yeah. Um, obviously, we saw the situation with Ivan Tony take place, and he's currently facing that suspension. It kind of looks like Tonali is going to, based off some reports, that he's going to kind of confess and essentially just say he has this issue and try and reduce his sentence rather than trying to fight it just you know admit that he screwed up and but yes it seems like these guys have some serious issues uh do you think like we're gonna see more and more situations come out like this because there was like the rumors earlier in the year that um lucas pacata there was like several people in like uh sao paulo like betting on him getting like yellow cards and it just you know it looks suspicious there it begs the question too like how many other how many other instances is how many other um situations are happening similar to this yeah and i feel like you have to be like uh i kind of don't want to say this but like i feel like it'd be pretty stupid to get caught sports betting like yeah, especially as a professional athlete like I don't know. It's rough. I've seen conspiracy theories that uh, this is a way for Tenali to go back to AC Milan. Like AC Milan knew that he was eventually going to get caught. So that's why he went to Newcastle. 
got caught and then get his t- contract terminated and then he comes back and can play for AC Milan again. That seems kind of ridiculous, but <laughs> who knows? He's not doing himself point, any but... favors the way he talks about Milan in the public. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it's like Romelu Lukaku, wherever he went, he was just in love with Inter Milan, but yeah, it's just, I don't understand these clubs paying you millions and you can't just, like, however you feel, that's fine, but just don't publicly, whatever, but I don't know if he's, to be fair, if he's doing that, if he's talking about AC Milan like that when he's playing for Newcastle, maybe he is dumb enough to get caught sports betting. But um, yeah, what, I mean, three years, I mean, it's pretty significant, like, amount of money being made for some people, because what, Tony was banned for, uh, what, nine months? I think nine months. Total, because he's done 2024, he can play. Uh I think January, he's going to be coming back. Yeah, so for three years, and the fact that, because Tony fought it, I think, till the end, but the fact that he is like, yeah, you know what, maybe I just admit and hope that I can get a smaller sentence, makes me think, like, this is pretty significant and pretty bad, so, yeah, it's tough. That's that's a couple good players and just the world the soccer world moves so fast. Like who knows if you come back after three, four years, even their age where they'll still be able to play and like these big clubs even want you because I don't know, that's four years off, three, four years off, whatever it is. Uh not playing at the highest level, as much training as you want to do, like nothing compares to like being on the pitch actually playing. But yeah, that sucks. And uh hopefully this sets a I don't know. Well, I forget. I can't think of the word. So it's a, uh, yeah, precedent for players. Like, just don't, just don't even attempt. Don't have try yeah. some. Have your mom bet. Tell your friends like some like rumor stuff you heard behind the scenes that potentially have one bets. Just enjoy your money. Like, go invest it or whatever. Have right. someone make money that way. Just don't do it. Sports as as great as it is to like overnight just have like. Oh, I bet I don't know a couple thousand and one like fifty thousand whatever. As fun as that is, like still taxable. Just don't do it, please. Especially because they're doing it like on like the underground, like illegal way. So that's like they're probably making it even worse for themselves rather than like oh, it's not like they're picking up like Fanduel and putting like a you know five leg parlay. Yeah, exactly. And the fact that it was enough people that like in like uh, Paqueta's instant in Brazil that were betting on him to have a yellow card like make it that obvious like that like this is like very heavily like monitored stuff like you can't like slip away like <laughs> like accounts that are like weirdly winning like over and over on the same player getting yellow cards right like, certain game. like you don't think they're not gonna yeah i don't know that's crazy to me but the fact that there's enough people in brazil doing it just is wild to me but hey you gotta i don't know whatever you gotta do to uh help help the people out help your help your people makes the money but yeah let's just say there's a reason these guys aren't in the money type of industries and stuff yeah because yeah. they're good at kicking balls with their feet not with their brains exactly yeah. all those header all those headers you know starting to get to them yeah for sure but yeah. uh that'll do it for all this week thanks for tuning in and uh we'll catch you guys next week